0: Uh, hey, we're, it, when when we started this series, and it, I didn't realize how long I was going to be in this series, we're going to wrap it up on Easter Sunday. Um, and so we have three Sundays left and talk about the attributes of God and trying to answer the question, who is God? And looking at scripture and determining from scripture what God has said about himself uh, and, and, and how God has revealed himself uh, to the world in the pages of scripture. And so uh, today we're going to look at one of his attributes called faithfulness, that God is faithful. God's character is described in many places in Scripture. One of the places, and we looked at this uh, passage last week, is in Exodus 34. And In Exodus 34, especially in verse 6, God speaks of himself and says, this is who I am. And this is what God says. And he, this is God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming, and he said of himself, the Lord, the Lord the compassionate and gracious God. We talked about that last week. The Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. He says, I am compassionate and I am gracious. And because I'm compassionate and because I'm gracious, I am them slow to anger. I abound in love and I'm faithful. In these next three Sundays, we're gonna look at those three aspects. Faithfulness, anger, and love. And today we're going to look at the, the, the aspect that God is faithful. And because he's faithful, his wrath will come on those who disobey him. Now he's slow to anger, but his anger is part of his, part of his attributes. But because anger is part of his attributes and because he is so loving, he pours out his, his wrath on Jesus rather than us because of his unending love. And so, we're gonna talk about compassion and anger and love leading up to Easter. So, so this, this idea of faithfulness, I'm sorry, we're gonna talk about faithfulness and anger and love leading up to Easter. And so, today I wanna to deal with this aspect of God's faithfulness. What does it mean for God to be faithful? And what does it mean for us to respond in faithfulness? The word faithful in the Old Testament is, is, is a Hebrew word we would spell it E-M-E-T-H and pronounce it Emet, which means literally faithful or truth. God is the God of Emet. It means he is firm, he is sure, he is reliable, and he is stable. God is faithful. There's a firmness about him that cannot be shaken. God is faithful. There's a surety about him. God is faithful. There's a reliability and a stability. Now, the noun form of faithful is emet. The verb form is aman. That means to be secure, to be firm, to respond in a way, to act in a way full of security. Unshakeable. And because God is compassionate, that's what uh, Exodus 34, 6 says, because God is compassionate, gracious, and good, that God is therefore then full of emet, full of faithfulness. Because God is compassionate, gracious, and good, he is therefore faithful. The psalmist declares this as well. And we see this all throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. But the psalmist writing in Psalm 40 verse 10 says of God, I will speak of your what? Your faithfulness and your saving help. I do do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. In other words, what he's saying is I'm not going to keep quiet about how I've experienced Your emet, your faithfulness. I will speak of your faithfulness. I will speak of how you have been fully firm and secure, faithful to. I will speak. Here's the thing. I don't know why we who call ourselves Christians are so vocal and verbose about when things go wrong and less vocal about when, when God intervenes. We seem to keep our mouths shut when God steps in. But when things go wrong, boy, I'll post about it. I'll talk about it. You understand? And the psalmist said, no, no. You are so, I will not conceal your faithfulness. How I've experienced your goodness and compassion, your certainty. See, here's the thing. When, you, when we experience God's faithfulness, tell that story. When God steps in, when God saves, when God moves, when God delivers, when God gifts, tell that story. I will speak about your faithfulness, and I'll talk about it in the great assembly. See, to say that God is faithful necessarily, what we're seeing is God is met. Means He is faithful. He's truthful, and God does only tell the truth. God is trustworthy, both to His character and His word. God is trustworthy to His character, who He is. All these things we've been studying in this series. God is faithful to that, and it's unchanging, and He is faithful to his character and to his word. At the root of the idea of faithfulness is the idea of trust. God is fully trustworthy because God is fully faithful. And God is fully faithful because God is fully trustworthy. Do you understand? I'm not seeing a lot of yeses. God is fully faithful because he is trustworthy and God is fully trustworthy because he is faithful. It's who he is. It's not just what he does. And the first person listed in the Bible in response to God's faithfulness as a person of faith is the person of Abraham. He's the first person listed in the Bible as one who responds to God's faith with faith. In Genesis chapter 15, the Bible says, Abraham believed, that's the verb form of faith, Faithfulness. He believed Amon, the Lord, and, the, and God credited it to him as righteousness. See, Abraham was the first one who believed in God's faithfulness. And because Abraham believed in God's faithfulness, Abraham responded in faith to the God who is faithful. And because Abraham responded in faith to the God who was faithful, God credited that to Abraham as if he had done something and made him righteous. See, what Abraham had done was receive a promise from God that he would have a baby. Now, the problem was, if you know the story, he was too old and his wife was too old. And though they were too old, Abraham believed that God was faithful to make a way when there didn't appear to be a way. And because God, because Abraham considered a God who was faithful to be faithful to make a way when there was no way, Abraham then responded in faith to a faithful God. Do you understand? And this is the pattern of scripture through the Old Testament and the New Testament. And God always shows himself as the God of faithfulness. When is the Israelites, Exodus 14 saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians. The people feared the Lord and put their trust, the verb form of faithfulness, amon, in God and in Moses, his servant. See, what had happened, God had led his people out of slavery and out of captivity in Egypt. And he invited them into a relationship with him through Moses. Why? Because God is the God of Amet. He is the God of faithfulness. And out of his faithfulness, he invited people into a relationship with him because he wanted to show them that he is the God of faithfulness and he is a God who is trustworthy. And all throughout the history of Israel, it is their continual story, through the Old Testament especially, where they would trust the God of Amet, trust the God who is faithful until difficulty or pain came. And then they would question him. And what I see in the Old Testament, I see in me and you. Well, maybe not you. I see it in me. Maybe you're different than I am. Where I start out trusting the God of the met, the God who is faithful, until, until there's enough pain, until there's enough difficulty. And then in my humanity, I question, well, God, if you really are faithful, why? Right? Is anybody else like me? And all through the history of Israel, I see this, and all through my life I see this, that when we hit difficulty or pain, then we question God's faithfulness, and we wonder, can I really trust you? And as a result, we fall away until one in the history of Israel calls them back to the God of Amen, the God of faithfulness, and then they come back and trust until it gets hard again. And then they fall away, questioning, are you really trustworthy? Are you really faithful this time? And this happens over and over and over. But because God is the God of a relationship called a covenant with his people, he continues over and over and over to show himself as the God of Amet, the God of faithfulness, because of his compassion, and his unending love. In the Old Testament, King David came along, and he trusted God, and he trusted the faithfulness of God in a way no one else did when he faced Goliath. The whole nation of Israel, all their armies cowered before this mighty warrior named Goliath. And David did one thing that nobody else was able to do in that moment was was to consider God as a to consider God as faithful. And because David considered God as faithful, David then moved in the verb form of faith and moved against Goliath, and God did an incredible work. And as a result of David's response to the faithfulness of God, the Bible says of David, your house and your kingdom will endure. It will be stable. It will be reliable as God is forever. See, we see God's faithfulness, his trustworthiness all throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament. And what we see is this continual invitation. What we see is this continual invitation from God. And this is his invitation. Trust my faithfulness to you and respond in faithfulness to me. That's what God says. He said, all I want you to do is trust my faithfulness to you and all I want from you is just to respond to that. Don't try to create anything of yourself, don't try to do it, just simply respond to my faithfulness. Now let me tell you why it's so difficult for us to, for us to trust God's faithfulness. Do you wanna know why? Do you wanna you want know why you have a tr- uh, problem trusting God's faithfulness? When things get hard, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you why I have, have trouble. Trusting God's faithfulness is difficult because God's ways aren't often my ways. That's why it's so hard. That's why it's so hard. Because that, I mean, doesn't God know that if he were to consult us about how things should go down We could share with him our great knowledge and wisdom. (laughs) Right? I mean, we all know that if they would just let us run the world, we would be all right. See, God's perfect path is not one that we always foresee for ourselves. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are better than our ways. His ways are wiser than our ways. But they're not our ways. And that's why it's so hard to trust his faithfulness. See, after Israel was delivered out of Egypt, out of slavery and captivity, the Lord was directing them to the promised land that he had promised. He said, I am faithful. I will deliver you into this land flowing with milk and honey. But the problem is God took them through a detour both to test them and to teach them. And the detour took them to the edge of the Red Sea. And you can read about this in Exodus 14, verses 1 and 2. It says they brought them to the edge of the Red Sea. And before the people of Israel was the Red Sea. And behind them was Pharaoh's army. Because God knew that when he took him this way, Pharaoh's heart would grow hard again and would pursue God's people. And he knew that God, God knew that he was taking them in, to the Red Sea so that what was before them was an impossibility and what was behind them was certain destruction. And he led them in this path that he knew that they would have to once again trust his faithfulness. And then suddenly for the people of Israel, what once was a, a celebration of liberation became a situation of fear and trepidation. Could they trust the God of man? What kind of love puts his people in a position of danger and threat on purpose? Isn't this the same question that we ask? If God loves me, why would he allow? Right? This wasn't the plan. And if God loves me, Why would he put me? Right? What would the God of Ahmet do? They had no way of escape. They had no way of deliver. They had no way of help. But the Lord did. And so Moses responds. And he answered the people, do not... Be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will you will never see. He said, stand still and trust in the God of a man. I know you don't see it yet. I know you can't perceive it, but trust in God's faithfulness. He has a plan to deliver his people. God has a way that is yet an unseen way, but he has a way. God's path is usually the unimaginable path. Israel could have never devised this plan that had always been in the heart of God from eternity, that had never done it this way. Moses would have never planned a detour to the Red Sea on his fungenda for his people. God's way was through the sea. Here's the thing. I think God has wanted to take some of you through the sea so that you could see his faithfulness. But some of you have walked up to the sea and questioned it and doubted it because that wasn't your way. Do you understand? Here's, I want you to get this now, this important distinction. Here's what we got to understand. God is faithful, but his ways sure ain't predictable. Do you understand? God is faithful, but his ways are not predictable. Isaiah 55.8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. I am faithful, but I am not predictable. Remember that God oftentimes acts unconventionally. And this is why it's so hard for us. Because we want to figure him out. See, God likes to choose the path that is unseen for his people to walk. Because then they have to trust his faithfulness. See, God has a way all the time of saving his people. It's just sometimes it's through the sea. Do you trust that He's the God of Ament? God is faithful, and God is trustworthy, and He is incredibly creative in the ways He chooses to care for you. But God will oftentimes bring us to the sea. Here's why. So that after we have set our feet on dry, the dry destination of his promise, we can look back and the only thing we'll be able to say is God did it. He oftentimes takes us to the sea so that he can deliver us through the sea to finally set our feet on the dry ground of his promise in such a way that the only response we have is to look back and say, God, I didn't do a thing. I couldn't have done a thing. I was without answers, without hope, and without help. The only thing that happened is that God showed up. See, here's what I know. God will often take us low enough so we know that we need him, only then to take us high enough to let the world know that he is with us. And sometimes the lowest parts that he takes us is before the sea, so we have no other option either to bail on him or to trust his faithfulness. I don't know what the provision is that you're needing today. I don't know what the protection is you're needing. I don't know what the direction is that you're needing today from God. But I want you to remember this, that God's way is often through the sea. And he's faithful. But every time we answer the question, God, why through the sea? The very next moment we ask the question again. Every time we answer it, why God through the sea, the very next moment we ask that question again. Every time we answer the question, God, why through the sea, the very next moment we ask the question again, because we continually have to remind ourselves, God, why, why, why? Why the sea? Why the sea? Why the sea? I learned in church, we say to ourselves that you are an omnipotent God. You have all power to do everything you desire. Certainly you could have built a bridge over the sea. Certainly you could have taken me a different way around the sea. Certainly you could have removed the sea. Certainly you could have done something different so I didn't have to walk through the sea. Why the sea? Why the sea? Why the sea? Right? Let me tell you why. It's always to strengthen us never to destroy us. And this is the crux of our problem. Because at the end of the day, it is so difficult for us to trust the faithfulness of God. That he is not our destroyer. He is our deliverer. Even if we're looking at a sea, he remains our deliverer, not our drowner you understand? Yes. Do you trust the God of Amen? It is who he is. And he puts his kids oftentimes in precarious positions on purpose. Not to destroy their faith but to strengthen it. See, it's not till we walk through the sea that we see God as faithful and trustworthy. And one of the reasons why he's he's so set on this is because he wants to move us from the theoretical to the practical. See, in theory, we can agree that God is faithful and that God is trustworthy, but that doesn't mean anything until it hits the practical. Every one of us wishes we could live in the theory rather than in the practical. We wish we could live with the theoretical and have that be enough, but God says the theoretical is enough. It's got to become practical. Here's what I mean. Every one of us wants to know that, yes, God, you can heal. We know that in theory. I just don't want to have to practice it in the real world because I don't ever want to get sick. I'd rather live in the theory than the practical, right? See, every single person knows that God can deliver to them the character of himself and the character of himself in a spouse. Every single person wants to know that in theory, God has their future and their relationships under his control and the sovereignty. But when it comes to the practical world, sometimes, well, you know, Maybe we should just move in and figure this thing out and try each other on for a little while. Right? (laughs) Y'all don't want to agree with me with that one so much, huh? I know, I get it, I get it. See, every one of us wants to know that in theory, that God can provide, that he is our provider, and he never lets his holy faithful ones go hungry. But few of us want to live in the practical world of actually bringing a whole tithe into the storehouse. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so God takes us to the sea. Because he loves us too much to allow us to live in the theory because he wants us to experience him in the practical. He is faithful. Now, let me show you this, 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 this passage from the New Testament. Paul's writing. He's talking with this young protege named Timothy. And in 2 Timothy 2, verses 11, 12, and 13, the Bible says this. Paul said, now here's a trustworthy saying. He said, you can take this one to the bank if we died with him, with Jesus, we'll live with him. That sounds pretty good news, doesn't it? He says, if we endure with him, we'll reign with him. Well, that's pretty good news too. Paul presses it a little bit. He says, if we disown him, he will disown us. Wait, wait, what? What? Well, that? That actually doesn't sound like very good news. If we're faithless, he remains faithful. Well, now that sounds like good news again. He cannot de- deny himself. Okay, okay, well. And it feels like this is going a little bit chaotic. There's good news, a good news, a bad news. I don't know what that last one is. I want you to understand that it is great news to know that if we die with him, we'll live with him. And it is great news. To know that if we endure with him, we will in fact reign with him. But what Paul is saying to Timothy is actually a warning. And the warning is this, be steadfast in the faith. You have a faithful God, and he wants you to remain steadfast in the faith of a faithful God. Here's what he's saying. Be faithful to him. Be willing to die with him so you can live with him. The Bible says that we have to be willing to die to ourselves every day, to take up our cross and follow him, and to be crucified with him the bible says if we endure with him we will yes in fact reign with him so endure hardship and throw off the sin that's so easily entailed. endure with him remember no soldier gets involved in civilian matters he says don't stop short of the sea don't turn back and fearful when god takes you before the sea and don't grumble against the god that takes you to the sea but watch he says as well be careful Because if we are faithless, he remains faithful. God cannot deny himself. Don't get confused by what he's saying. There are two elements to faithfulness. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. There's two elements to this idea of faithlessness and faithfulness. One is that when we fail to obey, if we are his child, he will always be faithful to restore. That's good news. That's very good news. See, God's mercy and grace are not dependent on our performance. That's very good news, right? Like, I am so grateful that because I have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, that even in my failure... God is faithful. I have been so incredibly unfaithful. I have been so incredibly a man of a faith that has failed. I am far from protection. And I guarantee you, if you knew of me, what God knows of me, you'd be at a different church than you are right now. Because God is faithful. You are not. He's faithful to me. You are not. Do you understand? So it is very good news that because I have a relationship with God through faith, he remains faithful. All through the biblical text, God shows Himself as the God of faith towards His people who wander away. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned our own way, the prophet Isaiah says of every one of us. But God will not ever abandon His people. He is slow to anger and quick to forgive. His mercies are new every morning for those who have a relationship with Him through faith in Jesus. God is the one who was, God is the one who is, God is the one who will forever be. He remains faithful. And when we fail, and are quick to repent, he remains faithful again and again and again. And that's good news, right? But there's another side to this. If you're faithless, he remains faithful. God will be faithful. Make no mistake about it. He'll be faithful. And if we disown him, he will Disown us. This is nothing new than what Jesus has already said in Matthew 10, Jesus said this himself. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. L- l- let me be clear about what's being said here. This isn't about failing in faith as much as is it is about denying faith. See, in verse 13, when Paul says... If you're faithless, he remains faithful. That word for faith is a Greek word, pistis, which means saving faith. See, God says that the way you have a relationship with me is through a faith that saves. And the Bible says that if you deny that faith, if you reject that faith, that saving faith, God will remain faithful. It means he will not defer to you. For those who have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, there is great mercy and there is great grace for our failure when we repent. We see it all through the Bible. But for those who have said, God, I'm going to go on my own. I'm going to do this on my own. I think I can be good enough and better than everybody else so that I can be right with you. And they reject and deny faith in Jesus for their relationship with God. When we remain faithless, God doesn't change the rules of the game. He remains faithful. Faithful to guess what? Not to us. Faithful to himself and to his word. See, God has said in his word that his wrath must fall on lawbreakers. And just because he loves me doesn't mean his wrath won't fall. Do you understand? See, we like to think, well, Jesus, God loves me, and so I'm good. Well, he does. But we're not. And so his wrath has to fall on lawbreakers. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am a lawbreaker. I was born that way, and I've not been able to kick the habit yet. And I'm actually, actually perfecting the skill very well. I'm getting real good. God is faithful to me as a lawbreaker? No, to his word. And his word said his wrath must fall against my lawbreaking. And it did when Jesus was on the cross. Do you understand what I'm saying? So now when I am faithless and my faith fails that wrath has been already absorbed by Christ. And so I receive mercy and grace. But for the one who has not yet received a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, that wrath falls on you. And that's a wrath you cannot bear. Because God is faithful to his word. You understand? So I want you to notice this. The context so you get the content. Where there is no faith for salvation, God will remain faithful and his wrath will fall. It has to fall on someone. And so the encouragement for Paul here to Timothy and therefore to us is that put your faith in a relationship with God through Christ. So that when you fail and are faithless, God remains faithful. And what he has said to his children and have a relationship with him through faith is that I will absorb it because of my mercy and grace. Let me wrap up with this. God will always be faithful to his word. And God's word says his mercies are new every morning. So Repent. God will always be faithful to his word. And his word says, no weapon formed against his child will stand. So be his child. God will always be faithful to his word. And his word says, what evil intends for ill, God intends for good. For those who love him are called according to his purpose. I want you to realize the beauty and the wholeness and the promises to those who are his. Mercies new every morning. Protection against the weapons that are formed against you. Refuge from the storms, direction of confusion, evil turned into good. Who would deny this? And because I know that God is faithful to his word, I will then become one who chooses to die to himself every day so that I might live with Christ. Because I know that God is faithful to his word, I will be one who chooses to take up his cross every day and follow God. Because I know that God is faithful to his word, I can be one who endures when he feels like giving up. See, because God is the God of Amet, we must live as people of Amet. You understand what I'm saying? Because God is the God of faithfulness, we must live as people of faith. Here's the secret to it all. I'm I'm going to answer a lot of your questions about Christianity right now. I'm going to set some of you free right now. I'm going to take the chains off you. That religion has put on. See, I can be faithful in response to the faithful one. And I can live as a man with a met because God is the God of a met. Here's what I mean. Here's, Here's the Christian life simplified right here. The Christian life becomes one of response rather than production. That's the Christian life. It's one of response, not production. The Christian life is the one that says, all I'm going to do is respond to God's faithfulness. I'm not going to try to manufacture Faithfulness, I'm not going to try to be good. I'm not going to try to obey all the rules I'm told I'm supposed to do and not do. I'm just simply going to respond to the faithfulness of God. I cannot produce faith in and of myself. I cannot live in a way that makes me. I cannot perform or produce anything. I can only respond to God's faith. And when I understand how faithful God has been to me, you, you follow me? Like when I understand what I'm really deserving of and yet God has responded in mercy and grace to my failure as a faithful God to continue to love me because I have a relationship through his son. By When I understand his faith, all I have to do is just respond to that. See, some of you need to take the chains off your religious life because you're trying so hard to be a good religious person. You're trying so hard to try to live faithfully. You're trying so hard to be a man or a woman or a student of faith, and it's all effort, and it's all work, and it's no response. And all God says is, I am the faithful one. You are not. Just respond to my faithfulness. Quit trying. I'm going to tell you something. I don't think any other pastor has ever told their church. I don't know where you're going to hear any other pastor say this, but this is the flip side, so we don't care. If you're going to follow Jesus, don't try to be faithful. Just respond to his faithfulness. I don't think anybody else is going to tell you. I I think every other preacher... It's going to tell you, make sure you do, make sure you don't do. Right? Better behave yourself. Endeavor and strive to live a faithful life. Hmm. Can't do it. So I'm going to take the chains off you right now. Don't try to be faithful. God is the faithful one. In freedom and joy and liberation, just simply respond to his faithfulness. That changes everything. There's no more effort. There's no more work. There's, there's life added to it. Jesus I've come that you might have life and life added to life. You want life and have life added to life? Don't add rules to it. Add liberation to it. Don't try to be faithful. Just respond in faithfulness to his faithfulness. And so what that means is now, as people have met, Before a God of a man, we worship in response to his faithfulness to us. As people of a man, we obey, not out of duty and not out of obligation, just simply in response to his faithfulness. And we give, not out of duty and not out of obligation, but just we give out of response to his faithfulness to us. You understand what I'm saying? You, You catching a theme here? So we serve not out of duty and not out of obligation. We serve in don't make me turn this message around and start all over. (laughs) We don't serve out of duty or obligation. We serve out of response to his faithfulness. We don't pray out of a duty. We pray out of response to his faithfulness. We don't risk We simply respond. Do you understand what I'm saying? Why? Because God is faithful. So you don't have to be. You just have to respond to his faithfulness. Does that make sense? I want you to pray with me. And I want you to take a step of liberation this morning. I want you to take a step of freedom this morning. And in this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to his faithfulness. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. Thank you that your love didn't begin one day that it has always been so that it will never end one day either. It will always be. And I thank you that because of your love, your compassion, your goodness, and grace, that you are the God of you are the God of faithfulness. God, we have tried oh, year, day after day, month after month, year, we have tried and we have endeavored and we have worked to be good people, to be faithful people, to do it right and not do it wrong, only to find ourselves doing it wrong more than doing it right. We've tried hard to work to be faithful. We've tried hard to respond in faithfulness. And all we've done is try to produce for you. Only to be left feeling we could never do enough. And never quite measure up. God, today there are people who want to shed the chains of performance and be set free. To simply respond to your faithful. Thank you that you're a faithful God. Hear now our prayers. I'm going to get a chance right now. In this moment, simply to come and use your own words, but say something like this. God, thank you that you're faithful. Thank you that I don't have to prove my productivity to you. Thank you that I don't have to prove my worth to you. Thank you that you are faithful that you've always been faithful. Help me simply to respond to your faithfulness. Tell say, God, I don't want to be a religious person. I want to walk before the sea. Even when you take me through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to try to prove anything to you. I just want to be that person that responds in faith to your faithfulness. As I do that, continue to show yourself to be exactly who you said you are, the God who is faithful. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. as you take us before the sea, as you take us through those perilous times, as you take us through those moments that we never planned for ourselves, allow us to be able to stand in the middle of the storm and to shout louder and louder with more passion and vigor and conviction that we are gonna trust you, not because of who we are, but simply because you are the God who is faithful. So hear now our prayers, hear now our praise as we stand in this moment as people responding to your faithfulness. We love you.